0: Hey Hotties! We're always telling you what to do, now it's your turn to tell us what to do.
1: Head to HotYoungDesignersClub.com to take our 7-minute 2021 listener survey.
0: And as a bonus, we'll be giving away an HYDC t-shirt to three random entries.
1: The survey closes March 31st, so give us all your feedback and help us design the best community ever.
0: If you've been feeling overwhelmed, it's probably time to outsource.
1: On today's show, we share how we outsource tasks in our business and home life.
0: Growing your business doesn't just mean employing permanent hires.
1: Because that do-it-all-yourself life is not it.
0: Let's go! Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum.
1: And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers
0: Turned internet friends.
1: Turned real life friends.
0: Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast.
1: We're not that hot.
0: Or that young.
1: Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca?
0: Oh, all of our spirits.
1: Are they alcoholic spirits? Oh,
0: we need to take those down. (laughs) I'm just turning over another attitude leaf this week, even though it's Friday. (laughs) It's a little late, but better late than never.
1: I mean, who invented Monday as the start of things? Like, why can't we start off with Friday being the happiest part of the week? Like,
0: well, yeah. What is time? What is time anyway? (laughs) What is time during a
1: pandemic? I'm the master of time. I create time. I create time. How's your week been? Okay. This week has been, I mean, I've just been like on the repeat of getting work done, meeting with clients, like really getting into a groove on stuff. So where we are in time today, Kyla at house of hipsters posted a blog post that was, I probably shouldn't have read it as the first thing I did this morning. Cause it is a bit of a downer y'all, but it's an open letter to Pinterest talking about their use of those like white shoppable bubbles that show up on images. And mm-hmm. it's it's around this whole conversation about like, what what is our intellectual property? Is it copyright infringement? If people are making money off of our images, shouldn't we be getting compensated? And it's just, it's one of these, I don't know, you know me, like when it comes to this, when it comes to people like resharing our images places, I'm of a couple schools of thought of like, in principle, I agree with all of this. But then the opposite side of me is like, I have a business I'm running and I don't have time to be chasing these philosophical questions. If I want to keep making money, I can't spend ages trying to find someone who like, it's someone who stole a picture from my website and then Photoshopped new cabinet pulls over my image. Like, I don't, I'm not going to be spending thousands of dollars writing cease and desist letters with my attorney and. Well, and it turns into whack-a-mole on the internet. Like. I mean, what am I going to do? Search the internet for my images trying to find, like, come on. I just don't have the, I don't have the time and energy for that. I don't disagree with the idea of it all but
0: it's also how companies like what's acceptable I was thinking about this yesterday actually because one of my images is on a company website that I partnered with Mm -hmm. but I kind of wish my name was on it
1: (laughs) that it credited you somehow
0: yeah and my photographer but it's their... It's like a homepage graphic almost, so... It's, like, it not gets... possible
1: to... No, it's not a link. And that's the other thing is, oh, was I in a public place? And there's an inherent agreement that you could be photographed, and then that's a whole oh, thing. Oh, no, that... it's one of my project photos. Okay, that yeah, that's totally different. It, it'd be nice if there was some bounce back, but I also understand the idea of giving things when you do partnerships and sponsorships, but... I just, the Pinterest one in particular, it's, it's a bit of a downer. I will say you guys will link it in the show notes. You can view it uh, either on your podcast platform show notes or on the website for the episode show notes. You can go there, but it's a long read. It's worth reading to understand where we're at as an industry. And it's, it's really well thought out.
0: I need to read it. She was talking about this last year, like a year ago, and she was a speaker at the Design Influencers Conference, and she told us how to prevent this in our images. I don't know if I haven't read the article yet, but does she talk about that?
1: She does talk about her her past... Attempts with it, oh, and I mean, they probably some, keep changing it. Yeah, right. And like she has a chronology, which is very well documented. She she's talks worked about, with them
0: for a long time. Yeah, she has a good relationship. Yeah, she was like a hour. beta
1: user with mm-hmm. with Pinterest from the very beginning. So it's very well documented. It's extremely well thought out. It gives various different perspectives on the entire. It's a really big picture conversation, but also with granular detail to back it up. So. I mean, give her a doctoral thesis for this because it's great. She's really smart. But we really just have to think about where we are as an industry. And if we're going to speak up for ourselves, what does that look and sound like? Part of it, I think the goal is for her to encourage designers to speak up and start reporting some of this to Pinterest because... Part of the claims is that Pinterest says, oh, nobody, nobody ever writes us about this. Yeah, you're taking advantage of a group of people who don't have the time, the energy and the resources to fight like City Hall on this. So her point was the more people who speak up about it, the more likely that something can be done about it. But we have to show that we're a unified voice and that it does matter and affect us. So a bit of a downer. Maybe don't start that when you're having your morning coffee. It's a good one. Sizzle. I don't know if you guys have... It's a popular fragrance. You guys have probably smelled it before, but it's Le Labo's Santal 33. And they kind of, like, number their fragrance fragrances that they have. And it's a cologne. It's also unisex, because it, it is kind of ambiguously musky, sandalwoody. I mean, you all know, like, I love those, like, oud, musk, sandalwood, like, type of all things in fragrances and candles and whatever, but I haven't been wearing a lot of colognes because, you know, we're not freaking going anywhere for over a year. I'm gonna start putting it on every day. Why not treat myself? Do it. So I've been doing that ready. for a couple of weeks now and it's making me feel good. I'm ready in the morning now. Cause that's like yeah. the punctuation at the end of getting, getting dressed, getting ready to sit at my desk and then a little spritz and it sticks with me all day and I'm happy.
0: Yeah, and all of your coworkers are happy.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The dogs can probably spell the individual components of the cologne, but nice. they do make some fantastic Labo makes some amazing fragrances. They just they know what they're doing. They speak my language. So you can buy it at like Nordstrom and
0: Give it a sniff. I have a hard time with I'll link fragrance to it. because I I like starts to bother me smelling it. <laughs>
1: ongoing throughout the day smelling it yeah i'll
0: start to get like i kind of start to get headaches so i have a this it's the same with candles like i like candles that have a very mild scent okay okay i almost think i prefer cheap candles because they don't have as much like Mm, target candles don't have as intense of a fragrance okay like i I to catch a whiff not like a full immersion
1: so then you might be where you just buy a little travel sprayer and you just...
0: Like mix it with like a oil, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, like a little bit. They also have a really good Noir fragrance, uh, Fragrance 29. If- it's, <laughs> it's no, oh my God. It has like cedarwood and vetiver and like a little bit of like fig and bergamot is always one of those like really good... I feel like if any of this is resonating with anyone listening, they make some really good unisex fragrances that are just kind of very natural. They are conscious of like the environment. They don't test on animals. They're vegan. So they're not using any animal based oils, which some other fragrances do use. So yeah, like switch it up. Do something, I don't know, do something nice. Get your little body spray action to make yourself feel good
0: that's a nice little easy pick me up
1: yeah what, okay. what's happening in camp plum
0: camp plum so i'm not gonna go deep into this i'm just gonna give you a little highlight i started this book okay. called it didn't start with you because okay. it's like super heavy guys this book is about inherited family trauma oh gosh
1: Is this the fizzle or the sizzle? This
0: might be the... You know, honestly, it's kind of both because I'm... (laughs) No, it's so interesting. So
1: it goes into Sizzle of the week, family trauma.
0: (laughs) Inherited. This book has
1: everything.
0: By multiple generations. Yeah, it has kidnapping and murder, abuse.
1: No, okay. So that's a little... (laughs) And those aren't all your family traumas.
0: That's just my dad's side. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, it is so interesting because it talks about how things that happened to our ancestors actually imprint on our DNA. And we could be experiencing things that happened hundreds of years ago if they were never resolved. And I just find like actually a sense of like relief knowing that Okay, there's a reason, like, I have some feelings that aren't really explained by my own personal life experiences. Okay. And understanding more of, like, what our family went through and how that got passed on and why, like, my parents had certain experiences with their parents and so on and so forth. It Mm -hmm. just trickles down. So I think it's really interesting. It kind of, I'm still working through it, but it gives you some tools on how to change the patterns on how you think about certain aspects of your, whether it's your childhood or your family relationships. It's really interesting. What's Uh, the book called? It didn't start with you. How inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle, which is the part that I'm most interested in.
1: So... My goodness. That's a, that's a heavy read type of book.
0: It is, but it, I don't know. I guess I just have had, like, I have like these really interesting family stories that are turned into folklore, but then when you break them down, you're like, holy shit, that is major. And that happened like to someone my parents knew, you know, like. Right, right not like a million years ago. So I don't know. I definitely recommend so it.
1: I That feels fizzily. It's because it's, <laughs> it's that's fizzy. a lot to deal with.
0: But it's also a lot of explanation. Okay. Here's one little nugget. That's a trip. Okay. We parts of our DNA existed in our grandmothers when they were pregnant with our mother. Yes. So our mother's eggs were in development when she was 5 months in utero. Wow. So, parts of us were actually in our grandmother's entire adult life. Mhm. And then onto our mother. So, and I just find that so mind-blowing and
1: like to think about what could have impacted you from way before you're even born, like
0: yeah, or my mom like to think that she was, her cells were, you know, experiencing things that happened in the early turn of the century. So we're heavy.
1: I think you need to write in your your journey. I know this is not what we're sharing on this podcast, but some of those family stories that you shared with me separately, those are legit part of like the My Favorite Murder podcast introductions where they have people who write in their like hometown stories. Your stories are like, those are crazy. And those are the types of stories that end up that they read on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, I think, I don't don't know how much you listen to it. Also for our hotties, if you're listening, if you like true crime, if you like murder stories, if you want to hear more about that, yeah. The My Favorite Murder podcast is addicting.
0: Anyway, that was big. So I'm going to line it up. Yeah. This this all is TikTok. Um, (laughs) Okay. So my six-year-old daughter is really into watching TikTok with me. I don't just let her watch random shit on there,
1: but. Yeah. Some stuff pops up you don't want, but.
0: A lot. (laughs) But I don't know when I'm feeling kind of like I need to pick me up. I recommend going on TikTok searching funny animal videos. And there is just some funny-ass weird <laughs>
1: stuff on there. That explains why you had a day of cat videos that oh you were posting. <laughs> I almost sent you a text like, you okay? Get into your account? <laughs> She's having one of those days. It was a lot of cat stories. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, <laughs> You know what? I got a lot of applause for those. And thank you. I mean,
1: bitches <laughs> love animal videos
0: oh my god there's this one that's a ferret dancing over a plate of spaghetti
1: I have seen
0: that one Cecily makes me watch it every day play
1: the (laughs) ferret video play the ferret video oh my god I mean he's I mean some of us just want to be a wiggly spaghetti you know
0: (laughs) making a plate of spaghetti but Uh, Yeah. Some of them are just like, people are clever as hell Yes, and random and have a lot of time on their hands.
1: So. I mean, I haven't even created my first reel on Instagram because I literally, I don't have time for this. If I had a little intern who could just Mm. crank out videos.
0: Segway alert.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, maybe that's it.
0: So TikTok, there's some really dumb stuff. There's some real, like, why are you dancing in front of your phone? Fu- I don't know. I'm not. Or
1: there's the ones where I'm like, who told you you were funny? Like, this is not funny. Yeah. Why are you making these? But also in a world where everyone can now be a content creator, there's an audience for some of those videos. Like 15 views is 15 views for some people. <laughs> That's great.
0: Oh my God. Cecily keeps asking me to create TikTok videos of her. <sighs> I'm not posting it, um, you guys. No. I pretend that I'm doing it and play the Oh No song and she <laughs> does a really bad trip and fall.
1: It's not good. I literally say that Oh No during things happening in my household now. It's a living meme
0: in my life. It's a perfect, (laughs) it's a perfect soundtrack to a lot
1: of moments. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When I think of me, when I fell, when I broke my foot, I
1: feel like... You wish someone could could have been filming that.
0: (laughs) I wish this, like the security camera was four feet away. Like I could have actually done it. Yeah.
1: But it could have been the whole, oh no, of you falling in the driveway then having to get inside, then at the emergency room, then in a boot, then with a scooter. (laughs) Yeah. It all escalated very quickly.
0: TikTok is not just for the kids, although a lot of it is.
1: Mostly for kids.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, yeah, everyone get an intern so you can create your own TikTok (laughs) and Instagram reels.
0: Actually, speaking of house and hip of hipsters, she's the one that told us that we had to do a TikTok last year. She was like an early adopter in the home interiors world. And she does cute ones that are actually on brand with (laughs) interiors
1: yeah i I mean i'm not i
0: I, i'm not adding that to my repertoire at this moment either i can't even get on stories anymore we gotta outsource (laughs) that
1: shit let's get into it so let's start probably with some home life outsourcing stuff that gets your personal life in order so that way you can manage your business life better, then? Yes. Okay. I've been... I swear I've been using these for so long now, is meal kits. I don't... Do you guys still do a meal kit? Yes. Okay, so we're using... This is not an ad. We're not being paid um, to the hotties who are listening. I use Sun Basket, but I've tried a number of them. I've tried the Marley Spoon from Martha Stewart. I've done mm-hmm. Blue Apron. I feel like sometimes I we just feel like switching because we've the meals start to repeat on themselves too often and we just want something different. But Sun Basket's it, nice because they have more vegan options and things like that that we've been trying to like alternate our meals around. I'm not uh, a vegan, but...
0: Yeah, we've done the same thing. And sometimes the flavors tend to like get similar like when I did Blue Apron a while ago I just cannot zest another goddamn lemon
1: like (laughs) like it does seem it especially during the like the summertime meals everyone has lemon because they're like you know what seems like a summer a summer meal Pasta with some lemon zest. Yes. Like.
0: And you know, like a Tuesday night meal does not need lemon zest. I don't Whatever. I'm just being.
1: But what I, what I like, what do we like about it?
0: We, so right now I'm team HelloFresh. Okay. And We've I've done, done a too. lot of them. I've done a lot of them too. HelloFresh. Well, it doesn't matter. They all kind of do the same thing. Every Monday morning we get three meals landing on our doorstep, which our household, I think I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I can make my husband 80% happy if there's dinner planned and cooked. At least planned. Like, that's like our number one, I think, family battle. of What's for dinner? Who's who's going to the store? What do we need? Uh, And I hate that decision making. Like, during the week, I could give a rat's
1: ass what we actually eat. I'd literally eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like... It's except fine. i don't
0: eat peanut butter jelly but yeah <laughs> if it was in a pinch i would just make an omelet and be done with it you know oh so, yeah i
1: love a breakfast for dinner night he uh,
0: likes like us yeah he likes he wants the, a
1: whole meal
0: and he has certain things that make it
1: he calls it substantial so it has to have a protein because it's a mm-hmm. guy thing it's a straight yeah. guy thing, mostly probably
0: and that like a soup isn't substantial but a chili like there's just or a stew is he just whatever so that's been a relationship neutralizer we don't need that extra layer of inventiveness
1: you you cut that many nights of angst out of however many meals you get. Everything comes, the vegetables for those, for the hotties who haven't used them before. The protein arrives, the veggies are there. Every meal kit has different levels of prep. Sometimes veggies are pre-chopped in some of the kits and then sometimes they're not, you do it. I feel like everything arrives quickly. It's pretty dependable it's portion controlled and we don't waste as much food because when you when you're at the store and you're oh I'm gonna make this meal and it needs carrots the meal kit might literally send two carrots but if I'm at the store I'm buying the whole bunch and then the rest of the carrots go to waste so totally or like
0: cute little things of balsamic vinegar they give you
1: oh the sauces is really what ups the game it's like the, the dressings and the sauces because I'd have to do so much to make you know five tablespoons of some of these that it's just not worth my time so I get a lot of variety out of the meals and it makes us happy to feel like especially quarantine time, we're not going to as many restaurants it feels like I'm getting a really good quality meal at home. So I. Don't... Yeah,
0: especially when it's multicultural kind of fare, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think you to try.
1: How, I wouldn't know how to cook like some of these Moroccan dishes right. or Indian dishes. I don't know what's in them. But I don't, and I don't want to research recipes. I hate trying to find a recipe and figuring out that it's a two hour recipe. Nope, I can't stand it. Don't have the time for that.
0: Well, and my problem is I never like to repeat things so every time i if i'm in the driver's seat of figuring out what's for dinner i am the look for the best version of something and yeah it just becomes a thing so
1: it saves a lot of time and energy in our household too we do four meals a week
0: yeah we're pretty good with three and Could you still order out sometimes or terry does like to cook when he's off the next day right Three gives us through those like crunch times when we're not feeling well. Oh, and we, he's always wants Taco Tuesday now as a thing. So that's okay.
1: That um, takes up one of the seven that go. you need to come up with. That'll save Do your it. marriage. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for real. Speaking of saving marriages, not having to argue over who cleans a toilet mm-hmm. is a, I recognize to our hotties, this is a luxury. It's something Sean and I make room for having a housekeeper. We have housekeeping every two weeks. I would probably pay nearly any price that someone would say to do it, because for me, I adopt stress when I think about things that I have to do. And even if I'm not doing them, I'm not thinking about the time. It's taking up my mental bandwidth to be stressed out about, when is this deep clean gonna happen? When is that gonna happen? So Terry Terry probably has that. But then, but see for him, he actually will set aside his time and then do it. And that's not Sean or I, we will, it it just stresses us out. So we're like, how do we get this? How do we get this done without us having to spend? And truthfully, our housekeepers clean our house faster than we could clean our house. We could spend a whole weekend cleaning our house. They they do it in, I don't know, three and a half hours. I mean, they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And they're not like stopping to clean out a drawer or get caught up right. in something. They're not going to talk
1: to me during it. Like they They're know not to do. S-
0: stop me to watch ferret TikTok videos, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, because I'm usually here, and lately I've been having them start in my office, you know, and we're all wearing our masks, and... Honestly, I know that every family will have to come to a different decision about this, but we've been doing this for so long in our household. It does relieve stress. It relieves pressure. There's no expectation on someone else in the household. And sometimes the emotional well-being that comes from things like this can make it worth it for the cost perspective. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, we don't have one right now, but Terry's... (laughs) probably because terry doesn't mind i'm not gonna say he doesn't mind it but
1: he helps a lot with cleaning up he
0: does a lot of the cleaning and that's not
1: true for every married couple
0: Uh, no it's not and laundry he's really good at that so i'm not complaining although yeah we probably need to level up at some point
1: Yeah. Uh, Sean and I don't do each other's laundry. Offload stuff that's not yours. If you know that's going to stress you out. I've, I'm always on that advocacy loop of don't just do something to because you feel like you have to. So if in your like household culturally
0: you have to, or like Yeah, yeah. Offload that weird inherited family
1: shit. Yeah. Offload your trauma. Give that back to someone and say, you're getting your own hamper, you're gonna do your own laundry. And I'm sorry, inept husband, if you happen to turn all of your clothes pink because you forgot your red hat in the laundry for if you. And
0: marry a grown up. Like that's yeah. Part
1: of they, it. But yeah, get your hot old husbands or whoever. Get your kids learning laundry early. Oh, Outsource I'm all that about that.
0: <laughs> Terry actually came back from the dry cleaners the other day. They started doing Fluff and Fold, basically. So they have a oh, yeah. bag that you can fill the bag, and they'll for thirty five bucks. They'll wash the launder. So he brought that to me. I'm. Like, Are you trying to tell me that you want me to start doing this? <laughs> I do my own laundry, but a lot of times he finishes it.
1: You get it all done and then, or you get it in and then he takes it out or.
0: Yeah. I tend to leave things in the dryer for a while. If Oh, Devin totally. Yeah. I am not complaining. So.
1: But yeah, but he get might rid be. of the house stuff. <laughs> he might be. He might be. But if you need, that's the stuff we need to think about. Hey, we're running businesses. We need space, you know, emotionally. We need space creatively. We need space in our minds for ideas to happen. If you need to offload something to give you that, the home life outsourcing game needs to be strong.
0: I think in general, this whole thing is, think about how much you charge an hour, and Mm -hmm. can that hour of your time be spent making money instead of doing something that could cost you a tenth to outsource?
1: Yeah, like ironing a polo shirt. It's like, oh... I can just take those to the dry cleaner. And maybe we don't normally think of those things as outsourcing, but really that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's that's what it is.
0: Trading your hour for someone
1: else's. Right. The most valuable thing we have is our time.
0: Now, let's get into more of the business because <laughs> some of this stuff can overlap because our lives are whole. You mean We're we not- can't
1: completely separate everything?
0: no and they should be integrated I think somewhat
1: if they're gonna work effectively I agree with that
0: Sean's number one outsource first what's your first outsourcing task
1: bookkeeping boom all bookkeeping you you all have to stop doing your bookkeeping (laughs) or not doing it (laughs) or yeah avoiding it even my bookkeeper will offer if i like just provide a list per client of time she'll put them in invoices if i need her to that's down to that level that you can outsource of like offload this if you can do a task and make more money billable for it like working on a floor plan you know and then you, your bookkeeper charges less than that it's it will make you money to give it to someone else to do it if you do it right but just stop agonizing. I think my bookkeeper spends, on average, anywhere from one to two hours reconciling and updating. It's so worth the money. Yeah, Some months are heavier than others, but it just gives me so much of my life back, and I don't feel the pressure. I, I just go over the reports. I make sure everything looks accurate. I'm still very involved in the, the accuracy and the ethics of it. My bookkeeper doesn't have access to my accounts. She can't write checks, but... It really saves my life to know that it's done correctly.
0: Yes. The mental burden is major. For sure. Design assistant. I think this is a big topic. I just started working with- Yeah, there's a lot more a- than we can do. There's just a lot of opportunity with a design assistant. So I think a lot of solopreneurs struggle with this idea of hiring a full-time assistant or full-time help.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and this is something that internally we've debated and talked about that we're just not ready to take that on be responsible for a full-time person especially right now and we can't work in person and it's just things are evolving and it just seems like it's hard to do so yeah. A virtual design assistant. There's so many things. There's so many great ones that specialize in our industry too.
1: As far like, as what tasks they can do for you.
0: Yeah. From the marketing side, like making your TikTok videos, <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> like automation and setting up processes and workflows, or to like, so I've been outsourcing my drawings lately, like my floor plans into chief architect. <laughs> And it's magic.
1: It's kind of fun to see how you can just like send in all the details or like a chicken scratch napkin drawing and be like, detail out this built in. Like, I need to be able to give this to a contractor and boom.
0: Yeah. Or here's just a drawing on a notebook paper of a room and then turn this into a floor plan. Yeah. And it's totally built. And I can just now layer on like, (laughs) my zone of genius because for a while I was really I was trying to learn studio designer or not studio designer but chief architect and home designer and I'm still trying to up my game there but it takes me definitely two times as long as it takes someone who specializes and I'm putting it off for three days or whatever versus assigning it to them and then the next day or two it comes back it's awesome
1: sometimes we build it up so much in, in our heads and or we know that it is going to be really time consuming. So we know we're not really looking forward to it. That's probably the sign of something we need to outsource in general is if, you, if you know, you don't want to do this and you put it off and you procrastinate something that the design assistants can do that also is like helpful for me is sometimes I, I like to load in as I'm planning projects into secret Pinterest boards and I plan what's going into the space. And then usually when I'm getting ready for presentation mode, I, I pair it back down, but the virtual assistants or design assistants can drop those in my presentation template for me. And sometimes I will mess with a presentation template just too freaking long. It's just a design school thing where you spend all this time on, oh, what if that tile sample image was just a little bit smaller, or this or that? And you know what? Clients Clients care. They don't care as much as we care about what that thing looks like. As long as it communicates clearly and it says it. And sometimes it's nice to just hand it to someone and then boom, it's done. That's it.
0: And they, and they might bring you ideas that you hadn't thought of. And also, I always say, I mean, I think we're all different, but I'm a really good editor. So, yeah. but less great at starting on the blank slate so if somebody brings me something that's broad brush stroke flushed out oh I'll just tweak this and this and this boom done versus go through all of pinterest all
1: and of that. all of my inspiration and all of the client's notes and everything and then narrow and it down like so you like
0: chase this perfect image for this one little thing that no one's really going to notice
1: i think part of that too is to tie it to our clients, they've outsourced to us design work. And that's the same thought they're having is I can't create a whole cohesive plan, but I can tell you what refinements or details don't make sense when you finally present it to me. So in the same way that we're the outsourced party for our clients, we can also do some of that for ourselves. Oh, it's a weird meta type of experience. I'm just having with that as I'm sharing.
0: Well, what we were kind of talking about before our days are full. Like, so let's say we have a full solid eight hours of work to do in this particular day on the calendar. Yeah. If you outsource, there's two timelines of productivity happening in the same hour you know right I mean like duh but you can just produce more and not be working twice as hard
1: right like I I also related to that type of work that you could send to a design assistant I also have a renderer which we've talked about before Mm. who creates some more artistic looking 3d renders and I mean guys it's so cheap I think it's anywhere between 110 and 150 dollars per render if I had to render that crap it would be costing like a thousand dollars because I'm so not good at it. Even in design school, I was really crap at it. It just takes me too long to figure it all out. And
0: well, you could be good at it if it was your full time job, like it is theirs.
1: And it makes sense to have an expert who does it. And it also, that's billable. I can bill that render out because it's less expensive than my hourly rate. So there's just a little bit of extra built in there to yeah, cover with- all of the admin of doing it.
0: Same with floor plans. I bill it at my hourly rate. I pay almost half and yeah. I And then you're getting paid to manage that part of it and making yeah. some profit.
1: Right. And I feel like the it's less about looking at it as how do I make more money off of it? I think it's more, I'm trying to stay focused on the, the reason we're doing this is to get our time and our sanity back. It's not about, oh, how much can I just keep marking up things to give to other people. For me, the real drive is getting the stuff I can't buy back, which is my mental health and my time.
0: Yeah, like your Hermione when she did that spell. And she, she had the done... time turner. Oh, the time turner. That's what it that is. That thing
1: was cool. Yeah, we all need a little time turner so we can be running like four timelines at once.
0: Find yourself a good t- design assistant like the one that we're working with she's not even on this coast so yeah, they don't need to be local, local to you
1: and you'd be surprised in a lot of the facebook groups a lot of designers who have lighter workloads are not necessarily design assistants but they're willing to take on small stuff one off so you don't have to feel committed if you do one thing with them and you don't like it try someone else they'll okay. do
0: sourcing yeah
1: yeah I don't know. I feel like it's not giving up. Don't focus on this isn't you can't do it. It's you can. It's just not as efficient or not as fast or whatever. Hire for the stuff you're not good at or that you don't want to do anymore.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you can lean into the zone of genius. So I think it's really getting clear in your process and what you want to be the one doing or be the one doing these things.
1: In previous episodes, I know I've brought up having some struggles just getting floor plans and construction drawings done. So I work with, this is almost like process party and we might spend more time on this in another episode, I think, because there's more to it. But I either have worked with architects or draftsmen to help create some of my drawings locally. And then everyone's really busy lately. So I've actually started bridging out to other Look it up for you guys where you are. I guarantee there are local companies for you that do as-built floor plans. And you can start reaching out to these companies. And the time that they spend measuring and creating the floor plans, and then they can put them in multiple formats depending on what you need. Like mine, I use AutoCAD. They send me the file. And they also send PDFs of the drawings. And it's a remarkable time saver. And it just makes you look so professional with your clients that you have this cost effective, fast resource to just start getting stuff done. And I also- And they come in with the
0: equipment too, right? Like they'll do like full LiDAR scans and stuff.
1: Right. Their numbers are accurate. It's really good. And then I just sprinkle in my elevations or stuff that maybe a design assistant did that helps supplement the the construction drawing itself. But even if you're just doing like design only and you have a whole house, the measurements are so time consuming. So it makes mm-hmm. sense to get, get a whole set done. And I'm not gonna say they're cheap, guys. They they can cut co- they're, I would say generally you're gonna spend a thousand dollars or more for a whole home. Just prepare yourself for that. So if it's a small project, You should probably just do them yourself. But if you are doing multiple rooms in a home, it's really nice to have a whole cohesive set of the plans. And then you can give them, you know, when it's all done, you can give the set to the client so they can use that for.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's a good, easy to sell to clients, especially if it's their whole house, especially if it's like a new house to them, Mm -hmm. having that for all future projects. And even if it's just knowing the measurement of a room so they can buy a bed. Plan an
1: addition or...
0: Or get into construction. Yeah. I think it's like a nice thing to have... Pr- Every homeowner would love to have a set of accurate plans, I think.
1: Yeah. And this one goes to something else that you wanted to talk about. This is not a planned transition, but if you bring in a pool contractor or a landscape designer, and now you've got a set and they don't they don't have to charge you to have a site plan anymore because it's like... They already have measurements to go off of. They already have something they can kind of work with for that project.
0: Right. They can just drop the house. I found last year I was really getting a lot of people reaching out because I this is kind of the problem with doing certain projects in your own home and talking about them a lot on social media yes it, so like for instance we did our patio in our backyard in 2019 and I started getting a lot of people requesting that for me right I am not I'm not a landscape designer. <laughs> I have you want to be? I think there's some fun aspects to it, but yeah, I'm not living in that world. So I had a lot of requests for it last year, and I started just building a rapport with a landscape designer I've worked with in the past, who's been great. And so I ended up just outsourcing. I think I outsourced, like, not even outsourced. I just referred for clients I mean, to that's,
1: her. That's outsourcing. It is like, I mean, I don't have the space for this. I'm happy to coordinate with them as we do your interior project, but
0: yeah. And there's, and the clients are so happy because she's doing way more than I could have even attempted. I think having a good referral list is kind of part of that. So it makes it easier to say no. If you have that kind of yes mentality problem that some of us have and feel like you're doing your clients a solid. So build that list and give yourself something to offer them, even if it makes you $0.
1: There's even in that same vein, it's, it's referring, but it's, it is outsourcing is well, at least in Los greater LA. And I know in a lot of other major metro areas, you're going to have companies that do art consulting. So It's really powerful for clients who do care about art that you can give a look and feel from your presentations for clients. You can put together, this is kind of where we're inspired by. And the client is thinking about art in this vein and they can cover various price points, everything from prints to original works by artists. But it's helpful because it can be something that, they can curate for a client, and you don't have to go back and forth on picking it. And you bring in an expert who really knows something about art. Some of them offer a commission to designers, so they want to make sure that you want to keep referring clients to them. But now you're not having to go back and forth with a client of, I spent two hours looking for these four pieces of art, and you don't like any of them, and now we're gonna go at it again. If yeah, you're not an it, expert at it, what's something And it's harder
0: it's harder to sell something that you're not an expert at. And art, you know, we all know art is a <laughs> pretty deep category of things. Yeah,
1: to it's at. very personal. It's very time consuming. And I read about other designers in various groups, lamenting how their perfect project was ruined by a client's art selection. We'll show them options give give them something look up art consultants talk to them call them message with them i guarantee you that they're local to you many of them are also called in a lot to do commercial properties because Mm -hmm. there's art in those buildings but they can do residential they and in fact a lot of them want to do more residential because it feels more personal and it feels like they can get some really great pieces that probably wouldn't work in a commercial setting but there's beautiful yeah right there's beautiful art out there that you wouldn't put like that provocative female form sketch piece of art in a doctor's office like you're gonna that's only gonna work a
0: gynecologist oh no
1: (laughs) I would not want to see like Georgia O'Keeffe paintings in a OB's office that's just
0: think that would be hilarious but yeah and they also will handle the framing and hanging and insulation yeah it's a great thing to chunk off
1: it's kind of fun to go I want it to be a really simple this kind of this and then they bring their expertise and it's just nice to not have to worry
0: so I'm just thinking of other great outsourcing opportunities if any of these things feel like they would be helpful there's kitchen cabinet design Specialist, So like there's somebody local to me who all she does is kitchen cabinetry and she sells it. she's her own little showroom, but she's, you know, an expert in it. So she can do the space planning and know all the bells and whistles and the different types of inserts and all that. So it's like a little outsourced bubble of just that part. And then you can work together with them to select finishes, you know, all the like external layers
1: otherwise it's it's a huge learning curve for you if you've not you know worked with a lot of kitchens and haven't figured stuff out like it can be a huge learning curve to or you get don't it right. want to
0: like i'm kind of in the i yeah. don't really want to category so
1: it's it's part of where as you see designers with really large teams they specifically have someone or multiple someones who work on kitchen And that's why there's
0: people that, designers that are just specializing in it.
1: There's something to be said for that. I think it's really important. It's in the same light of why when I read about designers lamenting about window treatments and I'm like, yeah, that's an outsource opportunity. This is where you build your Rolodex Mm -hmm. of specialists and vendors that do this for you. And if you are working with the right people, they will have various price points. I know window treatments is a whole other thing that we can get into separately, but the right the right kind of workrooms and spaces will have various price points to work with clients. And in the end, the, you having to source all the hardware and all the components and all the hemming of you know, from the box type of treatment. You're going to spend more time than if you had just passed it off. And that's part of the selling point is yeah. this is the effort
0: And it's the same with the kitchen. You have to really think about your business and how you want to run it, what you want to learn. You can make a lot of money off window treatments, but again, there's a learning curve. Yeah. There's a huge screw up risk factor.
1: You could be holding the bill on the whole thing if it's done wrong.
0: So you, if you just don't want that headache, you're not about that math life. That just, there's a lot of it. Don't um, sign me up for that. Yeah. They're designers that'll just swoop in, make recommendations, have all the swatch books, all the stuff.
1: I mean, that's part of why clients come to us is they want to be able to make use of our network because they don't have it. And I spend a lot of time talking to clients about, this is why you're working with me because I've done this. I know someone who does that. I can confidently bring people in to build the best team around your project. This is part of it. It's not being bougie to have an an assistant. It's not being bougie to have a guy or a company that does the floor plans or whatever it might be. I think there is a lot of that hesitation among Mm -hmm. designers to say, well, if I have to bring someone in, it's because I couldn't do it. And how does that look to my client? Mm -hmm. No, you, you have to reverse that thinking process to your client and say, this is the expert. They do it faster and better than I will do. And it benefits you and your project by having it that way. You don't want me To do your 3d renders they'll never look as good as this person that does it they do it because it's the most efficient and it looks better
0: yes and it speeds up the timeline like if you have a whole house to do bring in somebody to do all those window treatments because that's gonna take two weeks off of your timeline like it can be done at the same time
1: it can be just a meeting one day with the window treatment specialist
0: yeah, and it's just happening while you work with your client with furniture. I mean, you just have like there's a point where you look bad if you don't outsource like designers. No, that's we right. already know don't come in with your your paint bucket. Like you got to outsource paint. Like that doesn't make sense for a designer to spend yeah. time doing that. So we all know that
1: this I think is just it's just an same. extension of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's totally personalized to each of our businesses.
1: Completely keep the stuff you want to do. And you don't have to, like, don't listen to all of our recommendations if you don't like this. But I think for us, these are the things that have really started to make a difference in getting our sanity back. We're not perfect. We do have our mm. days where we're still tired. We're still overwhelmed. We still have more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and I think we've been having this conversation among a, a group of us that... We're probably getting close to phases where it makes sense that if it can't continue to be outsourced to someone who, you know, sits remotely, that for many of us, we may be getting much closer to having a full-time hire or having someone involved. But that can be overwhelming for a lot of us. So the stopgap is... Continue to outsource what you don't what you don't do in-house. And then if your workload lightens, you don't have a full-time employee sitting there waiting for a paycheck.
0: Yeah, and it might help you kind of design this perfect position for somebody. I mean, going back to Anaya's episode, she was talking about how she was worried about her reputation to start starting to struggle and she was starting to maybe look bad to clients because she was so mm-hmm. overwhelmed. So you can do that with these little bits of you know, picking off things to outsource.
1: Right. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's really helpful to just have someone keeping track of details. And then you just jump in and look like the hero where you're like, Hey guys, like I thought it was going to take another week, but you know, we got those renders back in three days. Let's hop on a zoom and go over it. Like, bam.
0: Bam. That's what I want to do a lot more of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we're all trying to get our lives back, our time back, our energy back. We want to be more than just like quarantine or pandemic fine. We we want to be enjoying what's there. It's okay to do it, so.
0: Try it, try like, something little.
1: Yeah, make like Elsa and let it go. <laughs> yes.
0: So... Don't be frozen,
1: don't be frozen in place. <laughs> yes guess what the reference is until next time stay hot designers
0: thanks for joining this meeting of the hot young designers club podcast
1: if you liked what you heard please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today
0: we're keeping the conversation going on instagram so don't forget to like comment and follow at hot young designers club
1: you can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum,
0: and you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W R E N S T E D. Hello. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you had like, a little. This is this is Malvin. You had a little fry. Okay, let's just. Do okay. It. <clears throat> ah.
1: oh ah. What? That was a Tarzan, not a princess, though. It was supposed to be like a princess. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tarzan's kind of a princess. Uh, jungle princess? Yeah. That sounds like a theme for a gay party. It jungle really does. princess.
0: <laughs> like, In a little sarong.
1: West Hollywood Jungle Princess Party. $20 cover. <laughs> DJ whoever. Okay. Okay. okay.
0: If I could turn back time.
1: Oh. <laughs> that was that was a little more Jack will and Grace. <laughs> Too. <Terrible. laughs>